0: Hey, y'all, you ever heard of an amazing young woman by the name of Zinzi Smith? Well, I have, and her and I had just an amazing conversation on Beyonce's Internet. I will have you know that 20 year old Zinzi Smith has her own black woman owned business for an entire year now teaching spin classes. And let me tell you, she's enthusiastic. She wants the world to know that she's ready to help you shed them pounds from Thanksgiving and Christmas and help you keep up with that New Year's resolution that all of us middle-aged people like to make while we're still making them. So I, for one, am going to try and take one of her classes, just $15 for an online class with Zinzi Smith. She also teaches in person in studios in Brooklyn and in Queens and NYC. And all around, I got to tell you, I am just in awe of her. So you can reach out to her on Spin With Zin. That's Spin With Z-I-N on TikTok and on Instagram. And let her know that you heard it here on Black Fluid Poets Podcast. And you are trying to shed them pounds and keep up that New Year's resolution. You feel me? So give her a shout out. Let me know how it went. Hey, y'all. It's your fam, Black Fluid Poet, a.k.a. John S. Blake, coming to you live from my humblest of abode of books during this pandemic paradise where the quarantine wasn't cute, but we are here now. What's up? Um, We're going to talk about uh, struggle and success for a little bit. To start... um. To all those uh, who represent the news media outlets, I want you to say it with me: Katangi. Just, just try it, Katangi, Katangi. It's spelled phonetically. Just follow the letters, Katangi Brown Jackson. How difficult could it be? You know, um, I used to work at Starbucks on campus of Virginia Commonwealth University. And it was the busiest Starbucks in the state. The state. Like the line was always around the corner. It was nonstop from 7 in the morning until like 10 or 11 at night. And then we would go to 24 hours during midterms and finals. And that line was forever around the corner. You hear me? And at a school with a lot of global programs, You would get names from all over the world and I volunteered to pronounce all the names because I took pride in it because there was something about giving someone their coffee and saying their name right and seeing the smile come over their face even before they took their first sip, I took pride in that and I used to purposefully mispronounce common white people names. You not y'all don't understand. That it, I, my coworkers used to get a kick out of it, man. Um, Lysa? Lisa, laisse, say Do you mean Lisa? Oh, yeah. Here's your coffee. <laughs> tracky, tracky. You mean Tracy? Oh, is that what that is? Oh, here you go. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I turn around and say. Adenike Amusa? Oh my god, you said my name right. Oh yeah, of course. Are you Nigerian? Yes, I am. And we'd have a little conversation. Because it was my way of I don't know, balancing the universe in what little way I could. You know what I'm saying? And um I'm getting really annoyed because Kantanji isn't that hard. Katanji isn't hard at all. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't I don't get the you know, the disconnect. I don't, I don't see where the problem is. Um, so getting that out the way first. Second, um, there are people in this world that do not want to see black people make it. They don't know why they don't want to see black people make it. They just know it's ingrained in them that black people should not be successful. It's okay for them to be entertainers. It's okay for them to be athletes. But something with a certain intellectual power, academic power, governmental power, um, they're like, yeah, no, no, no. no. Dance for us. Tell us jokes. You know, put the ball in the hoop. Just keep dribbling. Um, You know, entertain us on stage in a movie. But like, we don't want to see you gain any power in this country and you could tell by the way they were running miss jackson ragged with all kinds of bs questions and ted cruz oh my god like cancun cruz he's got some nerve you know tonight i um i was watching a docuseries i I just started watching it on hip-hop and, of course, they started at the beginning, in the 70s. And they, they're they talking about these, these neighborhoods in L.A. and in New York City. In New York City in particular, because that's where the birth of hip-hop came. And they're showing the 90s in the Bronx. And they're showing Queensbridge. And, you know, Harlem. And how us kids, Gen X kids, back then, we played where we could. You know, and I'm reminded of... Um, Nikki Giovanni, right? The poem, Nikki Giovanni, where she says, um, a lot of people don't understand that black love is black wealth. And love got us through. Love of our lives, love of each other, love of family, love of our friends. That got us through some of the hardest times that white supremacy had for us. You know, when, in the 70s, when, you know, Vietnam was ending. People were coming home to no jobs, to no money, you know, uh, welfare, food stamps. And as kids, I remember we played where we could. Sometimes we didn't play in the park. Sometimes we played in an abandoned car. Sometimes we tried gymnastics on a a mattress that got thrown out. Um, We played on construction sites. We played in the elevator shafts. We didn't know that what we were doing was dangerous or dirty. We just knew joy, as, as kids should know, just joy. And this is around a time when, you know, the factories started disappearing, the service industry started all the fast food joints, um, and, and there were jobs with no, no level of, of opportunity for promotion, you know. there were dead-end jobs. And those were the jobs that they afforded the ghetto. And so a lot of people took on a life of crime because that's where the money was. You know, the money was in pimping. The money was in drug dealing. The money was in running numbers. And, you know, a lot of this came up because of, you know, me talking about my father the other day and understanding that, you know, black men in particular were doing whatever they had to do to see themselves as the head of the household to pay those bills. And then the 80s came, you know, and it was bad enough that heroin had destroyed, you know, black communities everywhere. But then the CIA, you know, allowed crack to come flooding into the ghettos. True story. You could look it up, Google it. And these became opportunities for black men to work, you know, 24 hours a day they were working. They were bringing in a lot of money. And kids started working because, you know, it was money to bring home the mom. You know, everybody was watching their mother struggle back then, you know. Um, And in that struggle, there was a lot of death. Um, Then, you know, around the time that, that the CIA flooded the areas with crack, AIDS came. And worst of all, Ronald Reagan. Like, we were never going to catch a break then. Never. And I'm so grateful to everyone who didn't give up. But out of that tough ass struggle, nothing but trauma and pain, and you know, everybody knew somebody that died. Everybody had a relative that just died from a heroin overdose or from AIDS, you know, or was a shot, or they're doing life in prison or behind crack. It, it just seemed like it was never going to get any better. And then I see Katanji Brown Jackson, Harvard Law graduate, you know, just sitting there. And she is beautiful and she is brilliant. And you could tell she's gentle and, you know, her daughter's there and, and just... I don't give a damn what any of those dudes had to say to her today, any of those senators, the Republican senators, all that filth that came out of their mouth today. All of it was irrelevant. Because this is going to happen. You know what I mean? It's going to happen. And when I think of the 70s, and I see now, you know, 50 years later, y'all. Ketanji Brown Jackson. God. Like, I just feel like this is a... It's, it's just a new level. I just feel like it's a new level, you know? Through my personal life, coming out of the 70s and 80s in particular, um... I lost nearly everybody. You know, I still have two siblings that are alive that that are HIV positive. I lost my oldest brother to AIDS and, you know, uh, heroin. My dad died of the virus. My mom did most of her time in prison only to come home and die of osteomyelitis, which is a severe infection of the bone marrow that now they can cure. Back then they couldn't. And uh, I think about what I went through. I think about you know, the homelessness I I had as a teenager before the Division of Youth and Family Services got me put up in foster care. And I think about struggling with addiction. And there is a recipe in the ghetto that makes addiction look so appealing because there's so much pain all around you. Your neighbors are starving or dying, you know, or, or getting kicked out. And I remember being 16 and thinking, what's the point? Like, what's the point, man? And if I didn't find, or if the universe didn't gift me with the people I had in my life at the time, y'all, I wouldn't have made it. I would not have made it to who I am today. And who I am today, I mean... It's not much further than the ghetto. You know what I mean? Like I'm broke. I am struggling right now, um, and I'm doing my best, you know, and and that's all anybody could ask. But um, it's in those moments, like like right now, where I just feel like, you know, what's the fucking point, man? Like this this is never gonna end. I'm I'm gonna be poor. I'm never gonna keep up with these bills. You know, I just want to give up. I'm going to go back to using. I, you know, I, I just. And then to see Katanji Brown Jackson. And I know, I know that this has been a hellish road for her in so many ways. And I thought to myself, John, how dare you complain? I mean, I've gone from. Somersaults on a dirty mattress outside, you know, um, the, the empty fridge, you know, the, the, the hanger for the antenna on the TV, you know, the, the dial that changed the channels was missing. So we had to use pliers. I remember every time my mother left the house, I hope she made it back home. I remember every time my siblings left the house, I hope they made it back home. it was it, it was just it was so much and i think it took a lot of my spirit and now i'm 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 a lot more fragile than i was back then you know now i have a problem and it's like oh my god what am i going to do and back then there was always problems you know i remember my mother used to constantly say well what are you going to do like that was it what are you going to do oh well you keep it moving. You know, you just keep it moving. And, and there's a certain perseverance that comes from the ghetto. There's a certain no matter what that comes out of that kind of struggle that a lot of people will never fathom. You just won't understand. You won't understand about Tightening your belt and getting through the day because you didn't have no food in your house. Like the scariest time in the projects was the weekend because there was free breakfast and free lunch at school. What were you going to do to eat on Saturday and Sunday? My generation of color, mostly, um, was so accustomed to, to being marginalized that we shrugged shoulders about things like racism like yeah yeah whatever they can talk they shit you know it's gonna do what it do you know what can you do oh well what are you gonna do about it you know and to see this this beautiful woman with a Harvard degree being nominated to Supreme Court I just felt like yo straight up Fuck all of y'all. Like, that's some we made it type shit. And to quote Malcolm X, you know, if you stick a nine inch blade in my back and pull it out six inches, that's not progress. You know, progress is in the healing. Now, as a society, have we healed? Fuck no. But I will take these these little wins every time. A police officer is is convicted of, of murder or manslaughter. I'll take it. I'll take the win. Every time you know, a black man makes it to the presidency, a black woman makes it to the vice presidency, a black woman makes it to the Supreme Court. I'm like, yeah, you damn right. And what you gonna do? Like you, we are not going to let anyone stop us. We're just not going to let it happen. We ain't going to let them see us sweat. And in my newfound queerness, right, there's a lot of that same struggle, you know. Um, A lot of that not knowing how people are going to treat you from moment to moment that happens outside. But what are you going to do? It is what it is. You're going to keep it moving, you know, and I think about single mothers and I think about the bills and the children and the clothes and the food and you're going to make it. You're going to make it if you decide that you are going to make it. That's the truth. That's, that's the experience that I can give you about struggle. You will make it when you decide you are going to make it. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be everything that you wish for. It's not going to go smooth. But the goal is to get to the other side of the obstacle. That's it. By any means necessary, get to the other side of the obstacle. And that's what it means to struggle. It doesn't mean to suffer. It means to strive to overcome your difficulties. Now, sometimes that means asking for help that we don't want to ask for. Sometimes it means taking the job we don't want. Sometimes it it means, you know, putting distance between you and someone you love dearly. But whatever you got to do to keep your body breathing on the other side of this difficulty, that's what the fuck you do. And damn the rest. Your job, even if you're a parent, you think, yeah, no, kids come first. No, 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 no. Your job is to keep breathing. Left foot, right foot, breathe in, breathe out. That's your job. That's your first fucking job in this world is to stay alive, to keep breathing. Then we talk about our spirit. Then we hold on to our morals, our values. Our, we set our sights on our goals. And when you come from poverty often you can't help but remember your community because as a kid you were sent to your neighbor's house for a cup of sugar a glass of milk some ketchup some rice a loaf of bread maybe four slices so i can make lunch so you you have to look back when, when, when you succeed when you come from that kind of struggle you have to look back i think of often um, Angela Davis, you know Dr. Angela Y Davis. When I met her at BCU, I said to her, "You know, why didn't you leave? You could have went anywhere. Why stay here?" And when she said, "What about the people who can't leave?" It was like getting smacked in the face. Like, how could you forget? How could you forget that we are a community? We are a community. You don't make it by yourself. I remember when uh, Kwame Torre said, you know, if George Washington tried to cross the Delaware by himself, he would have been killed. If Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, tried to march through Selma by himself, he would have been lynched. This only happens because a lot of people are moving in that same direction. And we're going to have to remember that. We, we have to constantly remind ourselves that whether pass or fail, you didn't do it alone. And that's what a lot of people don't seem to understand. There's no such thing as self-made. I've I've always hated that statement, self-made. What what the hell are you talking about? Nobody makes it alone. There's no way. You you, you could be self-motivated. You could be self-determined. But you are not self-made. There's always somebody who has your back. There's somebody who provides an opportunity. There's somebody that, you know, walks side by side with you through a struggle. There's always somebody. And it may not even be anybody that you know. It might just be somebody on, on a, you know, a social media site. It might be, you know, someone who randomly sent you a cash app to help you get through your day. But you don't make it alone. Nobody makes it alone. Nobody. And that's my biggest pet peeve. I did it. You did what? You did what? You mean nobody ever fed you? Nobody ever gave you a ride? Nobody ever told you about a job? Nobody ever said, hey, why don't you do this instead? Or, yo, you ever tried this? Nobody's ever told you, oh, man, I see you down in your luck. Here, here's $5, $10, $20, whatever. Um, Hey, I want to invest in your idea. Here's some money. What, What can I do to help you? There's always somebody, I don't care who they are, there is always somebody, and it is capitalism, it is that white supremacist ideal of the individual, of you by yourself making it, and it's always from people who had somebody else to give them a lift, that are talking about, you know, do it yourself, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, yada, 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 bullshit, bullshit. Nobody makes it alone in this world. No man is an island. So, in struggle, understand that if I fail, if I quit, if I kill myself, if I go back to using, other people will be hurt by my decision directly and indirectly. Whether I like it or not, I'm part of a community. And I could be Part I could be the part that brings it down or the part that lifts it up. And I have to make this constant decision. And sometimes, y'all, I don't make the best decision. Sometimes I don't make the right choice. Sometimes I quit and I go back to using or I go back to drinking. And then I don't know why the pain gets great enough to where my spirit says, yo, did we really get through all of that shit to give up now? Is this, is this, really? Did did we do all of that just to slowly kill ourselves in these streets now? Are you out of your mind? Like, of course you are. Why are you out of your mind? And, And that's the part of struggle. Why am I in pain right now? What is it that hasn't changed that needs to change in order for me to stop this anguish this this spiritual void that I'm living in? Is it the person I'm in a relationship with? Is it the town or the city I'm living in? I need to get the fuck out of here. Um, is it really a money thing? Is it a pride thing? Has have my friends asked me how I'm doing and I've just been lying to them the whole time? <clears throat> you know, I had a friend named Vince who used to say, if you're not humble, you will be humiliated. And there's a lot of people. Who friends of mine even who like don't even mention the fact that they're three months behind in rent, or you know their car broke down. They haven't been able to get their kids to daycare. And there's, it, I, I remember my mother. I, I remember telling my mother, "Mom, I don't know how I'm going to do it." You know, I just lost my job. You know, my son's medication. Blah, blah, blah. She said, "So what the fuck you mean so?" She said, so make it happen, do something, do whatever the fuck you got to do, sitting around complaining about it, ain't going to do nothing, do something, do something. And I remember being angry, like, fuck you, I came here to get comforted. You know, my mother was like, John, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't for the fuzzies. You know, I don't, I don't do the fuzzies. I'm going to tell you the truth. The truth is sometimes life sucks and you're going to have to get tougher than the problems you have and you're going to have to make it work. And I had a friend who like, you know, she's got two kids and her car broke down. And she's like, I'm going to have to get up at like six in the morning. I got to take these kids by the bus to the daycare. It's going to take me forever. And I said, yeah, it is. And you're going to have to do it anyway. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to make that shit happen. And that was like one of the last times we talked. And I can't help but wonder if she was having that same experience that I have when my mother said that to me, you know? But at the end of the day, I'm going to have to make sure that I'm still breathing. At the end of the day, I'm going to have to make sure that I'm working towards whatever goals that I have in mind. And as soon as things get rough, I can't quit. You know, disappointment was like, you know, you ate that shit for breakfast in the projects. You know, Um, daddy was never coming home. Mom doesn't know how she's going to pay the rent this month, you know. Um, motherfuckers are trying to forget. This they, they spend a lot of the money that they have. What little money they had, they spent on trying to forget, you know. Putting their face in the bottom of a bottle, you know, sniffing dope, you know, shooting cocaine, smoking crack, whatever it was. You know, gambling, strip clubs, to escape just for a day, for an hour, just to get away from... This constant reminder that your government doesn't give a fuck about you, and when when I saw Katanji Brown Jackson say it with me, Katanji, Katanji, Katanji Brown Jackson, when I saw Katanji today, I was like, I don't "Give a fuck about none of these problems, man. Nothing's stopping me. Nothing stopping me. Like I'm trying. Like we, we're talking about." slavery man we're talking about black codes jim crow mass incarceration fucking welfare queens reagan era clinton and his fucking mandatory sentences and god like they had it out for us man they've been trying to kill us for centuries but we reached the supreme court today y'all we made it to the presidency before and say what you want about these people and the mistakes they've made and how they could have been better. But the fact is, we have accepted white male mediocrity for fucking centuries. And to sh- and, and this shows you what a lot of people have tried to say about you got to be twice as good to get half as much. You know, Barack Obama was the same thing. You know, the former president was a Harvard Law graduate. Sumo cum laude, Harvard Law graduate. And and he had to have no scandals, never cheated on his wife. Kids looked perfect. Wife was gorgeous. Like everybody was intelligent. Everybody had college. Flawless, you hear me? Fucking like a Beyonce concert. Flawless, head to toenail, you hear me? And still, they criticized him for wearing a brown suit. They criticized him for forgetting to salute a soldier. Like, they, they, for you and me, whoever the they is, they are always going to critique. They are always going to find problems in your struggle, in your climb to success. There's always going to be a hater that is trying to convince you to quit. And sometimes they seem like the most loving person. They seem like your best fucking friend. It's your bestie saying, are you sure you're going to try this? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you can do it. And those are the people who you stop talking to. Those are the people who you don't necessarily have to hate them. You don't necessarily have to cut off all communication. But some motherfuckers, my mother used to say, some motherfuckers, you got to keep the high and by. That's it. Hi. Bye. That's it. And you have to believe that you have a divine right to exist and to joy. You have a divine right to exist and a divine right to be joyous, to smile, to admire the sunshine, to see your kids laugh, And forget about the bills for a minute. You have a divine right to prosper, to grow spiritually, to change your life in any direction you want to. You have a divine right to it. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy to do. But left foot, right foot, breathe in, breathe out your main fucking job on this planet is to stay the hell alive. Don't let these people convince you that you're still on the other side of the margin. Bitch, we built the page. We belong on every line, okay? And sometimes I have to remind myself who the fuck I am. You know what I mean? Like, Our parents were magicians. I don't know how my mom turned a bottle of ketchup, a box of pasta, and one fucking onion into this beautiful dinner that fed eight people. I don't know how she fucking did that shit. I'll, I'll never understand it. I'll never understand how my mother made those miracles happen. I'll never understand it. I'll never understand the resiliency of some people, even though I I know that I am truly resilient, I've been through a lot, but there were people, man, who I don't know if I could do what they did. I don't know if I could have lived through what they've been through. You know, if we all put our problems in the middle of a room, you would take your shit back. Let me tell you, no matter what it is, you would take yours back. You don't want my problems. And personally, I don't want yours, you know, but just know. Everybody's going through it. Everybody is trying to get to a better day, a better moment, trying to get to the other side of this thing they're going through. It's essential. It's essential to get through it. It's also essential that when you do get through a tough situation, whatever it is, whether it has something to do with getting up this morning to go to work or, you know, ending a relationship and, and, and finding yourself again or you just had to get the fuck out of whatever city you were in. You're in another city. And now you got to find a job. And you're living in a shoebox. And you ain't got no kitchen table. And you don't know when the fuck you're going to be able to buy silverware. And you know, you're know you eating your 17th fucking bag of ramens this week. So what? And what you going to do? And that tough love from the projects, man. That's why I'm still here now. That's why 51 years later, I'm here. I'm here and expressing my gender fluidity and embracing my blackness because, damn it, I have a divine right to it. I have a divine right to myself, to my body, to my soul. And I'm going to embrace these motherfuckers until the wheels fall off. You hear me? And so are you. You and I are going to make it through this day, this hour, this week, this month, this year. We're going to make it. Believe me. Before you leave your house today or while you're driving to work, you just remember you have a divine right to exist, to love, to happiness, to loyalty, to consideration, to respect. You have a divine right to these things. And anyone who falls short, gotta go. I love y'all. Remember to love yourselves. And if you fall short, just remember you can start your day over at any time. Hey, y'all. Your fam, Black Fluid Poet. Check it out. If you love this podcast, I want to thank you for favoriting the podcast because it means the world to me. However, the way I can get more advertisers is to have more subscribers. If advertisers um, see that um, I have a lot of subscribers, they will be more willing to give me opportunities to advertise for them. So in order for me to get these ads, I need to get to a decent amount of subscribers. So you come here to Anchor.fm and you go to support and you can pick 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99. Please feel free to pick 99 cents. I, I, I am overjoyed at anyone who wants to support my dream of getting this podcast taking off. You know what I'm saying? So please just consider it. If I could get a 1,000 subscribers, I could get out of this poverty thing. You know what I'm saying? Because, yo, the struggle is real. Y'all take care.